Hello and welcome to another I'm Still a Mormon podcast show. Uh, This is your host, me. And again, this show is simply hoping to help people stay in the church and view uh, the church maybe a little differently, a little less orthodox, a little less uh, black and white, uh, whatever you want to call it. So um, I share my views um, as a uh, long lifer member of the church and uh, through my experiences and my understandings, my church history study, and I'm just passing that along to see if I can help anybody <clears throat> stay in the church, uh, knowing our church history and the different kind of oddities, let's say, uh, about our history. So with that, today we're going to dive in. I'm going to try to keep this about 30 minutes because I, I feel that nobody really wants to listen to anybody rant on for more than 30 minutes. At least I don't. So I'm going to try to keep it around 30 minutes. It might be close. It might be a little over that. I'll do my best. Today's going to be a tough one uh, for most listeners. I don't know if this subject is talked a lot of, uh, out there uh, in the uh, LDS community and or the ex-member LDS community. Um, I... I haven't found it. It's something that I've uh, thought about the last few years and uh, come up with my own conclusions based on my uh, knowledge of our history and how things happened, which I will share. But today's podcast, uh, I am talking about prophets versus presidents. And this is, like I say, it's going to be hard for some uh, traditional members to understand this. Um, They're probably thinking I'm bound for hell any second. and, And I'm fine with you thinking that way, and I don't care if anybody agrees with me, disagrees with me. That's not what this is about. I'm not trying to convince anybody my views at all. I'm just sharing how I can still be a member of the church, believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and think differently than the guy sitting next to me in the pew. I think it's okay. Some ex-members have felt that they don't belong in the church and left the church because they might have a non-traditional view about Joseph Smith or church history or polygamy or current prophets. Uh, to me, that's not the right answer is to uh, to leave the church if you don't agree with 100% of its history or current policies. Uh, to me, that's never a, a win. So I'm just trying to help people <clears throat> no matter what their views. So with that, Let's dive in. Uh, we say uh, in our vocabulary, in our lessons, our, our manuals, throughout my life, I have always heard the phrase, the prophet Joseph Smith. And then everybody since him, it's the president Brigham Young, it's the president uh, John Taylor, Wilfred Grover, Florence Snow, on and on and on. It's president uh, Russell M. Nelson. So there's, I've, I've always kind of thought, well, how and why do we have that distinct uh, difference when we speak of Joseph Smith and we speak of everybody else? And there's a reason for that, as I uh, found in my research. Uh, again, I think too much. <laughs> uh, it's caused me to get in uh, trouble uh, many times in my life. But I like looking at things like that. Hey, why the Prophet Joseph Smith and the President Brigham Young? And if you ask yourself those questions and you and you look into it, you find the answers. So let me just share you on a very high level why I feel and believe uh, up to this point. I could change my mind down the road because uh, I have not always believed this, 
but I feel today we have presidents of the church and not prophets of the church. I feel Joseph Smith was the prophet of the restoration who God selected to restore the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then God stepped back and let the church function uh, how it functions, and that is through presidents and leaders uh, since then. So let me explain why I think that way. Or you can be offended and turn off the podcast right here. I, I would not uh, blame you for that at all, but uh, if you stick around, hear me out, and, and you guys can come up to your with your own conclusions. Once uh, Joseph Smith passed away, uh, there was clearly no secession in play. If you read church history, it was very, very obvious. There was no clear cut, here's what happens when I die. There were a lot of thoughts, feelings, uh, statements, letters, rumors. I mean, you can go on and on and on. I'm just going to go over some of the main ones that you've probably heard. But as you know, Joseph Smith was killed uh, June 27th, 1844. The, at that time, before his death, it had been kicked around uh, in different uh, meetings and, and uh, conversations uh, what was going to happen when Joseph uh, eventually passed away, who would succeed him. And at, at first it was pretty common knowledge that that would be his brother Hiram. And uh, Hiram uh, was very well loved by uh, Joseph Smith, and that was kind of common knowledge. Unfortunately, Hiram died, as you know, with Joseph Smith. So the, the saints and the Smith family, who obviously is concerned about what happens to the church after uh, the founding father, uh, Joseph, uh, passed, uh, the Smith family and the church members were left with, okay, we thought it was going to be Hiram, Hiram's dead, now what? So there was several uh, different options. Another uh, faction was, it'll be Samuel Smith, another brother of Joseph, but unfortunately he died while they were trying to figure out if Samuel should leave the church. Then there was a very uh, prominent common knowledge, if you read enough church history, in what I would call in the, uh, not the LDS version of church history, you have to look at uh, different books uh, and journals and things like that to find this information, but it's out there. It was pretty common knowledge with everybody uh, during this period of time of wondering who's going to go next, that uh, Joseph's son, uh, Joseph Smith III, was the heir apparent. But there was one problem there. He was only 11 years old at his father's death. And we'll talk about that uh, in detail and how that played out because uh, there's a story behind that. Some uh, other people thought and claimed that it was going to be them. Uh, Sidney Rigdon, who was the first counselor in the first presidency, and the first presidency was clearly a higher office than the Quorum of the, the Twelve, uh, still is, uh, for that matter, uh, to this day. And Sidney Rigdon was the first counselor. He claimed to have visitations and things like that uh, and felt that he was to... Uh, be the keeper, so to speak, of the church, not necessarily the next 
a leader, but the, the church would be in, in his hands. And he went off to, and started his, his own uh, religion when he was denied that. Another gentleman by the name of James Strang, who at the time of Joseph's death was a fairly new recent convert, and uh, he had all types of claims that uh, Joseph sent him letters that he was supposed to succeed him, as well as claimed uh, visitation angels that ordained him the next leader, and then just told everybody, hey, here's what happened. And uh, he actually started a movement as well. I think they called themselves the Strangeites or something like that. Uh, of course, Brigham Young, uh, who felt he should uh, lead and take over the the church as the president of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. And, uh, and he pitched his idea. And as we know, if you're a member of the church, the majority of the members went with the Brigham Young um, choice. And then <clears throat> there was a gentleman by the name of uh, Granville Hedrick, uh, who also uh, thought he should lead the church. And he started the Church of Christ Temple Lot. I believe that still exists. And they own the temple lot that uh, the second, the temple for the second coming is supposed to be at, which is right across the street from the Church of Christ, or formerly known as RLDS Church Temple, which is right across the street from our church, LDS Church, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons, whatever you want to call it, Stake Center. So it's kind of an interesting spot there in Independence, Missouri. You've got three churches, all from Joseph Smith, uh, in that same area. Uh, waiting for Jesus, which is a fascinating story. Then you had another person, uh, Alpheus Cutler, uh, who also uh, thought he was the one that was supposed to continue the church, and he called uh, his uh, organization Church of Jesus Christ or the Cutlerites. And uh, some of those didn't last very long, but uh, they were splinter groups, and there's probably more that I don't even know about, uh, to be honest with you. But... Um, When Joseph died and all this confusion happened and Brigham Young kind of was the deciding vote, so to speak, um, at that time, Brigham Young was uh, noted to say that he was not the prophet. I think one of his direct, uh, and, and this is out there, uh, I don't think you'll find it in, in official church history, uh, at least I have not, but I have found it in other uh, journals, books, uh, books that were written by LDS scholars. But Brigham Young was quoted to say, Saints, your prophet is gone, but the president will lead the church. And the reason I say that is he made it very, very clear that he was not replacing Joseph Smith the prophet. He, he never, Brigham Young did not call himself a prophet. At that time, he called himself the president of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, and that's where President Brigham Young came into play instead of Prophet Brigham Young. And I'll get into a little bit of the, uh, the history. Now, even though Brigham Young said this, you know, I will, I will carry on what Joseph started, Brigham Young knew. It was pretty common knowledge that during that few months from Joseph's death to, okay, Brigham, you're the man, and all these decisions were trying to be figured out, Brigham Young knew 
that the Smith family and most of the uh, members of the church um, knew that Joseph Smith III would eventually take over leadership of the church when he was of age and uh, capable of doing that. In fact, uh, you can read through church history and Lucy and Emma even reminded Brigham Young of this before he left Salt Lake. Hey, Brigham, you remember that uh, Joseph Smith III is the rightful heir <clears throat> to the, the leadership. And Brigham Young assured them, yes, I remember that. Send him on out when he's ready and uh, we'll make that happen. Um, Brigham Young <laughs> decided not to make that happen. So interesting enough, Joseph Smith III uh, lets the Smith family know Brigham Young is not letting me take over the church. And that's how the reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints started as Joseph Smith III, the first prophet, seer, and revelator of that church. So again, Brigham Young decided to change his mind. He didn't want Joseph Smith III, uh, even though he knew that's what the Smith family was expecting. And you can read all that. You can go search it. It's out there. Uh, it's not in, like I say, much in our own official history, uh, but it's out there. So the other thing I, I just want to take a side note here, most people don't understand or realize because they don't read church history that the Smith family and the Young family were almost mortal enemies. There were times uh, that, that uh, the Smith family thought Brigham Young is the one who had Joseph killed uh, as a power play. And again, that's not our church history, <laughs> and you can understand why. But, uh, and recently, I, I want to say in the last 10 years, the, the, the families kind of buried the hatchet, the Young families and the Smith families, and hugged it out and said, okay, let's stop fighting about this. Because, you know, we think, oh, the, the church, Joseph uh, died, and the, and the church just continued without a hiccup. Not even close. Brigham Young, when it was decided, hey, I'm, I'm the man, you had this real big rift between the Smiths and the Youngs, not only because Brigham was supposed to let a Smith run it later, but you had to determine what was owned by the church that Brigham Young was now going to take with him and what was owned by the Smith family. And that was a really, really hard time to split that out. In fact, if you go to Nauvoo today, about uh, the, the town is almost like split in half. The north half belongs to uh, the Mormon church, and the south half uh, belongs to the Church of Christ, uh, which is what I think they call themselves now. So that rift started, and there was the Smiths weren't big fans of Brigham Young. Let's just say that, to put it mildly. So um, from there, the, uh, the saints follow Brigham Young. As we know, they go out west and they start the church again, build it up, and all that kind of thing. Um, as I have read church history and, and read some of the conference minutes and notes, general conference, sorry, minutes of notes of the 1850s, Brigham Young was sustained as the first president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints at general conference. So 
the, the wording there is telling to me. Joseph Smith, prophet of God, Brigham Young, the first president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And remember, Brigham Young himself quoted to telling the people many, many times uh, when this first all happened, I am not the prophet, I don't claim to be the prophet, I'm just the president uh, of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So he made that distinction, which is why I make that distinction, because like a lot of things in our church, things have morphed into something that didn't start that way, and the prophet versus president is one of those things. So not until, uh, up till April 1851, Brigham Young was just sustained as the president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, not prophet, seer, and revelator, as the title we use now. That first happened uh, September uh, 8, 1851, a general conference, 10 a.m. session. So that was six years after Joseph Smith passed away uh, that uh, until Brigham Young was considered prophet, uh, seer, and revelator. And by the way, his counselors at that time and the 12 apostles were not sustained as prophets, seers, and revelators. Uh, only uh, Brigham Young. Yeah, I think the first presidency was ordained as prophets, seers, and revelators around 1859. And I am not sure when the church finally sustained apostles as prophets, seers, and revelators. Uh, I, I don't know when that that happened. I have not, not read it anywhere. I've not looked it up. So six years, we basically had no prophet on the earth. And it's not, it's not me saying that. That is our history and Brigham Young saying that. Uh, these are facts. Uh, he was or, ordained, sustained, whatever you want to call it, as the president, first president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints for six years while holding uh, that office. Now, uh, Brigham Young, like I said, he eventually was considered prophet, seer, and revelator. And uh, happened September 8th, 1851, in general conference. But when Brigham Young passed away, it was very clear he didn't understand, know how uh, or who should succeed him. So that same little confusion happened at the death of Brigham Young. Brigham Young was a prophet for 30-something years, so we've only done this once. There really wasn't a plan in place, a perfect secession, it, and, and Brigham Young did not leave any instructions that I'm aware of of what to do. Uh, in fact, the, the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles uh, ran the church again as a quorum for about three years after uh, Brigham Young's death while they were trying to figure out, okay, what should we do this time? Again, it's the only second time in history uh, in, uh, that they've had to make this decision. And I'm fascinated by the fact that nobody either asked God or got an answer from God or, because I, I am a big believer in Revelation and I, a huge believer in Revelation. And I, I'm just, kind of amazed that presidents of the church did not have that definitive answer up to that point. 
Uh, Brigham Young uh, actually ordained some of his sons as apostles, not official apostles as in the quorum, but uh, back then you could be an apostle and not be in the quorum of the 12 apostles. You were just apostles. So some of his sons were ordained in case the church decided, in my opinion, in case the church decided to make it uh, patriarchal and have one of his sons uh, continue uh, in his stead, which also points that he clearly understood that Joseph Smith III uh, was supposed to be a con- the, the leader and it was supposed to stay in the family. So that's my opinion, but that's another reason why I think uh, Brigham Young had his sons, some of his sons, ordained uh, as apostles. So after he died, three years, uh, John Taylor and the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles ran uh, the church, and then they decided that John Taylor should be the second president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, succeeding Brigham Young three years after his death. Then uh, when John Taylor passed, uh, that same thing happened. The, uh, the Quorum of the Twelve ran the church for two years as a quorum, and Wilford Woodruff wanted to reorganize the First Presidency right away and call himself the president of the church right away, but he wanted um, George Q. Cannon as his first counselor, and there was a rift in the quorum and the members of the quorum would not sustain him in that. So you had two years of trying to figure that out. Finally, they figured it out, and uh, Wilford Woodruff was uh, sustained as the third president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints with George Q. Cannon as his first counselor, um, and, but it took a couple years. When Wilford Woodruff was about to pass... He went to Lorenzo Snow, the president of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, and said, listen, when you have to do this, don't wait like everybody else has done in the past. Just do it right away, and which Lorenzo Snow did, and then that is how we do it today. So that's how we got there. Um, I, I do just find it fascinating that the succession of prophet was confusing for those for those years and um, now another idea that I have uh, that helps me believe that we have presidents and instead of prophets is uh, the scriptures Uh, if you go back and look at the doctrine covenants there's a clear pattern when Joseph Smith was on the earth how revelation occurred it was revelation given to Joseph Smith Uh, through God, Jesus, and it was canonized and accepted as revelation. Uh, Joseph Smith received 136 plus revelations. The reason I say plus is he received some revelations that were not canonized, that you're not aware of. And so he did receive more than 136 revelations, but 136 actually were canonized and put into the Doctrine and Covenants. Since then, Brigham Young received one revelation that was canonized. Then we had Joseph F. Smith receive one revelation uh, based on a dream that he had, and that was canonized and is a section of the Doctrine and Covenants. 
and we have not had any since then. Uh, just a couple official declarations, one and two regarding polygamy, and then of course the, the June 1978 announcement about the priesthood being uh, available to all worthy male members uh, moving forward. So if you take the history, in my opinion, of no prophet on the earth for six years, i.e. Joseph Smith and Brigham Young, Brigham Young's like, I'm not a prophet, I'm just president. Then you take the no canonized revelation from prophet, seers, and revelators since Joseph F. Smith, and only two official ones since Brigham Young, and again, Joseph Smith set the pattern as the, as the prophet of the restora restoration. Here's how revelation happens. I get it. It's thus saith the Lord, and we put it in the book. Okay, that's the pattern that was set. Something is clearly different regarding receiving official revelations since Joseph Smith and today. I'm not saying how, you know, it's just... I'm just pointing out the obvious fact that something obviously is clearly different because of how Joseph Smith did it and, and how we do it or don't do it today. In fact, to my point, we as members today don't even know for sure what is prophecy versus opinion versus wise counsel from our current prophets, uh, including President Nelson. For example, 50% of the members take his urging members to get vaccinated as prophecy and the other 50% look at it as his opinion. And basically, we're sitting around wondering who's right, almost. The prophecy people members go, no, it's for sure prophecy, and the others are go, no, it's for sure his opinion as a doctor. And I can see both sides. So it's different. If we were in Joseph Smith's day, Joseph Smith would say, thus saith the Lord, revelation given to me, go get vaccinated. So something's different. To me, if you look at church history with the thought that Joseph Smith was the prophet of God and everybody else, as Brigham Young stated, was presidents of the church, the church history makes more sense. It helps put everything in perspective. It helps understand Brigham Young and all the things that he taught that we probably scratch our head and go, ah, eh, he was wrong. Uh, in fact, some of our current leaders have denounced some of the items that Brigham Young uh, thought were to be true, i.e. the curse of Cain and all that. So, in my opinion, you can be a member and feel uh, this way. I sustain President Nelson as a prophet, seer, and revelator if he were ever to say, thus saith the Lord, uh, this is new modern revelation. I don't look at what the brethren say as revelation or speaking from God. I know most members feel that if if there's a talk shared in general conference or written in the ensign, that it's pretty much thus saith the Lord. I just go back to the prophet of the restoration and how that pattern was clearly made versus how it is today, which is clearly different. And to me, for example, President Hinckley, whom I love and adore, uh, one of the uh, most amazing prophets we've had in our day, with his uh, feeling that women should really only wear one earring. 
half the members took that as prophecy. It's, you know, thus saith God, one earring is the only thing you can do. And others took that as, well, that's President Hinckley's wise counsel. It kind of makes sense. I'll do it or I won't. And uh, one of my favorites with President Hinckley at one time in, in general priesthood, and those who are old enough will remember this, he came out and said, I'm not prophesying. I'm not saying thus saith the Lord, but get your house in order. I think we're going to have some financial struggles coming uh, soon, uh, which happened, which I've heard myself in meetings, uh, people saying, do you remember when President Hinckley prophesied about the, and I'm like, he said, I'm not prophesying. I'm not saying thus saith the Lord, but the members are taking it as such anyways, which fascinates me. So that's how I look at uh, the uh, secession from Joseph Smith to today. They're good men. They're presidents of the church. They receive revelation and are inspired for the church. But to call them uh, actual prophets like Joseph Smith, I think there's plenty of uh, evidence or thought at least to think otherwise. And I think you can be okay doing that and still be a member of the church and still sustain them um, as such. And I hope that didn't blow your mind too bad. And I hope that... Uh, Anybody out there that feels the same way uh, feels that they can still go to church and be a member of the church uh, thinking this way. Uh, and I know I do. And I'm open to, again, repeating that I might change my mind someday. Like I said, I didn't always feel this way. This is how I feel today. I'm cl completely fine with it. And it just makes church history more, uh, more sense to me with all the kind of the warts involved when you look at them as presidents instead of prophets. And I hope that helps.